0: Welcome to Victory Church podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, I, I am aware that uh, this time of the year is is kind of an interesting one because you have you ever noticed that whenever you start speaking about Dad, you get one of two responses. You get people who are like, "Man, I love my old man; he's the greatest." And then you get other people that are like, "I hate the guy." And he blah blah. You don't get a lot of middle ground kind of responses when you talk about dads. They're either the greatest person to ever walk the face of the earth, or they're the devil incarnate. And there's something about dad that evokes a lot of emotion. There's something about our relationship with dad that seems to either fire us up or, or you know, get us excited. There's just something about that dynamic. I think that's really powerful. I I find it interesting that, um, I don't know what to do with my hands because I'm not used to using this thing, so I'm going to do a lot of wog hand gestures tonight and uh, (laughs) probably knock things over. It's going to be cool. But I I find it really interesting, even if you look at media, um, the way dads are portrayed, if you look back in 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 the 70s and whatever and you looked at TV shows back then and they portrayed dads in a certain way, and then if you come down through time, you end up with Peter Griffin and Homer Simpson. There's, there's been a decline in our, our, even our perception of who dad is and what dad is. And, and, and if I'm honest, I don't think that that's an accident. I actually think there's something at work in our society that seeks to undermine what we believe and what we understand that father relationship to be like. There's something in our psyche about, uh, that we're seeking to undermine this thing. And if I, as I was thinking and praying about it, I really felt like um, uh, there's, the Bible continually mentions this relationship and paints us this picture of God being a father. And is it any wonder then that our society as a whole seeks to undermine and devalue and undervalue this role of a father? I believe that the enemy believes and knows that if he can pollute and dilute our understanding of the power of genuine fathering, then he can change the way we relate to God. If you're trying to to relate to a person, at one time you would have said he's Father God, and that would have would have brought up a picture to someone about what that meant. That was a good picture. That was a positive picture, he was hero, he was hard worker, he was role model, he was the, you know, the, the provider of the home and the one who looked out for everyone. He was protector, he was the lover of mum, he was the one who stuck up for you when no one else would. He was the big ferocious guardian of the family. And now we've got basically a bumbling idiot that mum is constantly bailing out of messes. And we've, we've totally undermined our understanding of what father even is about. So when you stand in a room and you say, God wants to be your father, where it used to be a positive thing, nowadays you actually get a whole room that reacts in their emotion and says, well, if he's like a father, I don't want anything to do with him because my dad was an idiot. Or my dad hurt me so badly. Or my dad did all these things that, that undermined my confidence, that didn't do this and didn't do that. And he failed me here and he failed me there. And we've got this thing where society has painted a picture about who and what dad is. And it's limiting our understanding and our ability to relate to our heavenly dad. And I, I, I really believe that God wants to redeem fatherhood back to the church. Uh, Isn't it interesting that in in, uh, Psalm 68 verse 5, it says he's a father to the fatherless. It doesn't say he's a mother to the motherless. It doesn't say he's a brother to the brotherless. It doesn't say he's a brother to the whatever. It, It literally just says he's a father to the fatherless. There's something in the power of fatherhood. If we could tap into what it is to be a dad, really be a dad, maybe it would change the way that we relate and connect to God. And maybe there's a power in that that we've yet to see as a church. Because I believe when dad affirms and when dad establishes identity, that's the platform on which the rest of your life is built. And the breakdown that we see in society is because that affirming and that establishing of identity doesn't take place anymore. And I honestly believe that the church as we know it is a vehicle that God has established to redeem back to society the value of what fatherhood and father heart is all about. Uh, I work in youth ministry predominantly. That's my area of passion. That's what I love more than anything. Because I know that there's a generation out there that doesn't need another cool friend that doesn't need someone who, who dresses up like they do and does all the things that they do. What they actually need is they need the stability of a dad figure who will speak identity, who will establish things in their life, who will speak confidence and boldness and help for them to build the foundation that maybe was lacking. I also believe, uh, in, and I'm certainly not saying I have all the answers as far as fatherhood goes, but I know that I'm in a community of faith here where there are uh, men who, greater men than I that have gone before that I can stand and I can have a conversation when I reach certain stages in my kids' Life and I could say, "How did you do this?" And how did and I can make myself better as a dad. But I believe, as a church, I believe there's something about the father heart that needs to come back. I um, as I was preparing, God just dropped this little thought in my heart that fatherhood is a heart condition. It's like cholesterol. <laughs> It'll kill you eventually. <laughs> It'll hurt you on the inside. <laughs> No, fatherhood is a heart condition because there 's a difference between being a biological dad and being a father there 's a difference there's an investment there 's something extra that that puts you in that zone of of fatherhood rather than just being the donator of biological matter and uh, and as I was thinking i, I really i because i 'm so aware of how how many people are without their dads or uh, even Married couples who are trying to have children who can't yet, who desperately want to be mum and dad and haven't yet had that breakthrough. And I'll am you know, I'll stand with you and believe and pray that that's coming. But we certainly don't want this to be a, a place of alienation where you feel like this is not for you. And so what I really felt to talk about tonight was the whole father heart in the sense of our community of faith, of bringing a father's heart into what we do. A father's heart on, on two fronts. One front that we can represent to a generation and to a world outside that may not have known what it is to have a father like this. But on the other side, that you would know and establish in yourself how Father God feels about you. Because as I go through, I've got six points. It's Father's Day, so they all start with R. Because if you know my dad, he likes to preach messages where they all start with the same letter. So I figured Father's Day, let's go with it. Um, Let's do that. So we've got six R's. Um, about, about the father heart out of a story in David. And uh, I just want to leave the thoughts with you. I want you to understand that those thoughts are both, let's model this to a generation, but also understand this is God's heart towards you. Yeah? Awesome. Let's go. If you've got your Bible, could you turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29? I'm going to read about nine verses, but while you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house tonight. I thank you for your people that have come out. I thank you especially for those who are going to go through the waters of baptism tonight. What a great decision. I pray that you bless them, and that this would be a divine encounter. But God, I pray as we share over these next few minutes around your word, that you would quicken people's hearts and open them up to hear and receive what it is that you're saying. I, I, I really pray that if there are people who are hurting in their relationship with their dad, that you would bring freedom and release, that you would bring breakthrough to them in whatever season they find themselves. I really pray for those of us that are natural dads, there will be keys in this that we can unlock and use with our own kids. And God, I pray more than anything that we would get a revelation of your heart for us out of these words uh, that would, would hold us in good stead, would help to establish us as we move forward. Let it be revelation. Let it be your words and not mine in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to read uh, this story. It's a story about David. David's one of my favorite characters. I, I really thought I was going to preach out of Moses because Moses is my actual favorite. I don't know if you're allowed to have favorites. Are allowed to have favorites in the Bible? I don't know if you are. I think it's like having favorite children. You know? You're not allowed to have favorite children, but Moses is my favorite. Um, <clears throat> but David is up there. Um, David's an incredible worshiper, wrote most of the Psalms, as we know, and uh, was a great king. Obviously a very flawed person, but God used him mightily. The thing I love about him is he was a man after God's heart. And, uh, and so I think there's a lot of heart things that we can learn from David. Uh, anyway, here we go. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, who, is clearly, uh, who God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for the building of the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx and other precious stones costly jewels and all kinds of fine stone and marble and now because of my devotion to the temple of my god i'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction this is in addition to the building materials i've already collected for this holy temple i am donating more than 112 tons of gold and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and for other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen now then who will follow my example and give offerings to the lord today The family leaders and leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675... Tell mum I'm busy... Um uh, three hundred three thousand seven hundred fifty tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of some fella, the descendant of Gershon. Uh, the people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. How many of you know that's a lot of gold? David had in his heart a passion to build the house of God. That was his thing. That's what he wanted to do. If you look at the life of David, he pursued God's presence relentlessly. And literally the, the whole cry and the mandate on his heart was, I wanna build a permanent place. We've had this tent for a while that we've been moving around the place. I wanna build a permanent place of worship where we can establish this as God's house somewhere where his presence resides all the time. That's what I want to do. And that was David's heart cry. It was his mission. It was his mandate. He wanted to do it. And there came a point in his life, which is really significant, where he's having a conversation with God and God says to him, you're not the guy. You've fought too many battles. There's too much blood on your hands. It's your son Solomon who's going to build the temple. Right at that point, he has an opportunity to be offended. Right at that point, he has an opportunity to feel threatened and insecure. Right at that point, he has an opportunity to go, all right, fine. If it's his job, he can do it. I'll just hoard my money and I'll build myself a great house. And that's what will happen And awesome, great. I'll line my own walls with gold and silver. But he doesn't do that. And I think this is like a bonus point. It's not part of my points, but... I think there's a resolution in his heart. There's, there's a point that he comes to where he, he understands the bigger picture. He's not threatened by the next generation coming through, but he actually sees it as part of his responsibility. I want to say that by way of setting up David's character in all of this. The fact that he, he had resolve within himself to not be offended. He had resolve within himself to be submitted to God's purpose, acknowledging God, this was my plan. This was what I wanted to do. This was the thing I was working towards. And yet you said, I'm not the guy. But rather than getting offended and upset and annoyed at God and angry, instead of that, what I'm going to choose to do is I'm going to choose to be the guy who invests. So here we go. That's David. The first thing that we have here out of David that I believe is the heart of a father is a heart that responds. David sees that there needs to be something built for the glory of God. He, there's, there's an underlying culture where the children of Israel were building their own houses and building all this other stuff. And they're, they're getting around, they're building these fine cities with fine walls. And David, David is almost grieved by the fact that everybody else seems to have a cool place, except for the presence of God. And he sees that there's a necessity to do something. And so he has a heart that responds. I... I wonder what it would be like as a church if we, we had a heart like that. And understand, oh, I believe that we're going to have single mums in this place that have father's hearts. Because you have no choice. Now there are fathers in this house who will make themselves available to your single mums. And I want to tell you, if you've got kids and you need help, hey, we'll help. We'll do whatever we can do to help you through that. Single mums, we're here for you. This is the family of God. Right, he's the father to the fatherless. He puts the lonely in families. He looks after. That's what he does, and that's what we do by extension as his hands and feet. There's grandparents all over this place that can't wait to love on your kids. There's mums and dads here. So they're going to have more mums and dads than they know what to do with. It's literally. It's remember when I was growing up in church, and any pastor's kid will know this. You got more mums and dads than you know what to do with. They're all watching you all the time. You can't get away with anything. You think you're getting away with something, and then dad comes to you after the meeting, and goes, "Son." So-and-so told me, oh, damn it. I thought I I got away with that one. So being in a big family can be fun or not. (laughs) But like it or not, it's what you've got. A heart that responds. Can Can we be the kind of church that has a father's heart, that sees a need in the community and has a heart that responds? That, that's the whole ethos of the building of this house. That's why we have a cafe beside the fact that Mick's addicted to coffee and needs help. The other reason why we have a cafe is because it's there to respond to a need in the community for community and connection and, and feeling like breaking the mould of what people perceive church to be. There's something that in, in Tony's heart that he saw and he responded because that's the heart of a dad is to respond, to respond to what? To respond to a need. It's interesting if you, I don't know how your relationship with your dad is, but I've had a couple of times in my life where um, we've overextended ourselves financially, so to speak. And I, one conversation I remember having with my dad, man, the bank screwed up our loan and this whole thing went wrong and now we got this massive debt and I don't know what to do. And he's like, Chev, just write him a cheque. <laughs> what? Literally just paid the whole thing off. I was like, that's ridiculous. Who does that? That's the heart of a dad. The heart of a dad goes, you know, and, and it hasn't always been financial. It's not, you're not always in a position to do that. But at that time, he was in a position to do that. It meant so much to us. It took enormous amounts of stress off us as a family. And he just went, I can do that. So I'm going to do that. That's the heart of a dad that responds. That responds to need. They respond to hurt you see someone hurting the heart of a father is to respond to respond to that even even in what we were talking about before david responded to a plan rather than reacting to the fact that he didn't like his role in it if we can cultivate that heart as a church understand on the back end of that that right there is god's heart towards you he sees your need and he wants to respond He sees your hurt and he wants to bring healing. That's the father heart of God. Number two, a heart that recognises. I love this. He says, air keeps closing my Bible. My son Solomon, who God has clearly chosen. There's a recognition and an ownership of who he is. He's my kid and God has clearly chosen him. I love that. There's an ownership in that. There's a recognition of who He is. There's a recognition of the call of God. There's a recognition of gift. There's a recognition of talent. I wonder if we could be the kind of church that has as a culture that recognises the giftings in people and wants to raise and release them into their potential. If we could be the kind of house that that doesn't get threatened by people who are gifted or people who make money or people who do significant things, but we can be, we've got this culture in Australia called the tall poppy syndrome where anybody does good and it's our job to cut them down to size just so they don't get a big head. Because somehow we got appointed to be the social conscience of the world and that's our job is to make sure nobody gets a big head. I wonder what would happen if rather than being that person, we would choose to be the kind of person like a dad who would come alongside and say, you're doing great, son. You're doing great, daughter. I love what's on your life. I love what you've got. I love those skills and talents. I I used to play footy. Not particularly well. Um, There is no pain like being hit in the face with a wet football. (laughs) There is no pain like that. But uh, I used to play on a Saturday morning in the mud. I was was probably 12 or something, playing, getting smacked in the face regularly with a football. And uh, I remember my mum used to come out to the games. She was the only mum that used to come out to the games pretty much. And she was very embarrassing, but I loved it. She would stand on the bench, go Chrissy! I'm like, I don't even have the ball, what are you talking about? Go Chrissy! Where did she go? Oh, she fell off the bench, yeah. Um, this is awkward, um, but there was, there, you know what? She was never threatened by my, my gift for football. <laughs> wow, it could be something in that, I don't know. Um, <laughs> It, it wasn't a matter of trying to, you know, I didn't come off the field after having a good game and she was like, right, I just want to make sure you don't get a big head. You know, you did that and you did that and you screwed that up just so you don't get a big head. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. You know, I remember my dad, we used to play shows, me and my brother was playing a band and stuff and dad would go to the occasional show. You guys played great. It wasn't like, you play good, but I used to play better. That's not the heart of a father. Yeah. The heart of a father recognises the gifts and wants to reinforce and raise up all this art's flying everywhere. Wants to raise up those gifts and speak life into those things and tell you what you can achieve. I love the fact that you've got this, this heart of David who's saying, yep, he's my son. There's ownership there, he's my boy. But he's also the one that God has chosen for this role. He's the one that God has put in this spot. And I wanna recognise that and let you all know that this is how it's gonna be. I want you to know that that's God's heart towards you. He's standing up there tonight going, that's my son. He's gonna be watching these baptismal waters tonight going, that's my boy, that's my girl and I've chosen them and I've got a plan for them and I've got stuff for them to do and I can't wait for them to get hold of seeing what I see in them. I got four kids of my own and sometimes I wish they could see in themselves what I see in them. That's the Father heart. Sometimes I wish I could just give them a little glimpse of what I see in them. The potential. That's the heart of God towards you and me. How much time have we got? Okay, we're going. Number three, a heart that releases. I love this. It kind of flows on. He's not wanting to hold back. He's wanting to release. When I read this, this was a really important verse for me, right? My son Solomon, who God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. You know what I love about that? It's not blind loyalty. He's aware of your limitations. He's not the most dynamic leader you'll ever see in your life. But he's the one. He doesn't have all the answers, but he's the one. He doesn't have all the experience. Have you ever applied for a job where they said, Oh, you don't have enough experience? Well, how am I going to get enough experience if you don't give me a job? And here's this, this David pointing at his son saying, Yep, he doesn't, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know he doesn't have the experience. Yep, yeah, I know he's young, which is um, code for stupid. <laughs> I know I'm a youth pastor those young people code for stupid and people who wreck the church i know sorry ash um he's young and he's inexperienced and yes he's going to make mistakes and no he doesn't know what he's doing but you know what he's still called he's still the one And that's what I love about the Father heart of God. He looks down on you with all your flaws and all your mistakes and everything you don't get right. And He says, yep, He's young. Yep, He's making mistakes left, right and centre. Yep, that was stupid. But He's still mine and He's still called. I think the important part is, 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 is the balance of not being blindly loyal, but understanding that my limitations and my mistakes and the things I don't get right don't disqualify me from the purpose of God for my life. It's the balance. You have to recognise because how else are you going to work on the things that you need to work on? You don't want a parent, oh, my son, he's so awesome. How many of you have seen those X Factor auditions? My mum said I'm the best singer in the world. And then they get up there and you go, oh God, make it stop. I hate to be the one to break it to you, darling, but your mum's a liar. I never want to be that parent. Setting my child up for embarrassment on national television by not being real. It's important to be real. But how hey, you might not be called to be the next Australian idol, but here's another gift in your life and I'm just going to help you find it because whatever's in there, there is something in there. God designed you, built you with purpose in mind. There is something in there that we have to find and that's my job as a father is to find that thing and be a releaser. Mm. Number four. Sorry, that's my little black thing I do. I think I'm African-American. I'm not sure. (sighs) Number four, a heart that resources. God's heart wants to resource you with everything that you need. What if we could be that heart to the community? We used to do, at my last um, youth group, when I was a youth group, we went to a local high school and we said, we could come in here and we could do a lunchtime program. We could make pancakes for your kids in the morning. But that might not be what you need. What is it that you need? And the principal said, well... Our, over the holiday break, our toilet block, vandals broke in and destroyed it. And our whole toilet block needs to be refurbished. We don't have the money. We don't have the budget. We don't know what to do. We said, cool, we can do that. Leave it with us. And they're like, what? What well, we went is so we went to approached supplies we got new toilets we got new doors we got a bunch of volunteers we went down there painted the whole thing out put new doors toilets i 'm meeting a need i 'm resourcing something i'm uh, you know what i mean i 'm not just doing what I, I think I can do to make myself feel better i 'm actually meeting a need i'm actually i 'm actually ministering into something if we could be that kind of church ah I would like to be the kind of person that watches the current affairs and sees all those stories of the hard luck things that happen on TV where the families have the disabled children or this is going on or that's going on. And I think, man, where's the church? I feel like ringing the station going, yep, we'll take care of that. Yep, we'll do that. No problem. Why we got all these people from the... Oh, I'm partnering with the community, but you know what I'm saying? Why, that should be, that should be, that's the stuff that should be driven by the church. That's the stuff that should be driven by the heart of dad. Yeah. I love the fact, if we look at the amount that he gave, 112 tons of gold, 262 tons of refined silver. It's a lot of gold. That is a high personal cost. I believe we need to be, to model that heart of a father to a generation that needs a father for the fatherless. We need to be the kind of people that are willing to pay a high personal cost. Got five minutes, so I'm going quick. Number five, I love it. He says, "Um, um, Using every resource at my command, I've gathered as much as I could. Number five is a heart that takes responsibility. To me, the heart of a dad is not a heart that says, Well, that's not my problem, it's somebody else's problem. The heart of a dad says, Using every resource, at my disposal, I will do whatever I can to make this thing work. The heart of a dad says, I will do whatever I can to make this. It's personal responsibility. Before he went to the people and he asked them for money, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm making this personal I love this verse here. In verse 3, it says, And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving of all my own private treasures to help with construction. He, he gives you the why behind his what. And now, because of my devotion. That's the heart of Dad. Because I'm devoted to this house, heart for the house is a no-brainer. Why? Because of my devotion. Maybe it's because of my devotions as well. Maybe because of where my relationship with God is at. Maybe this is the guy who writes the Psalms. Remember, this is the worshiper. This is the guy after God's own heart. Because of my devotion, I'm going to give of my... Can I break it down even a little further, right? There's a generation outside of these walls. There's a generation in your youth ministry that doesn't just want your stuff. They want you. It's not just about what you can give to them financially or what opportunities you can open up to them. It's actually about personal investment. Dads don't just pay for stuff and then let you run away. The connection is deeper than that. Mm. Number six. Stop laughing at me. Number six. I love this is a heart that rejoices. It says in verse 9 the people rejoice after the offerings have been given freely and wholeheartedly and king David was filled with joy and in the next chapter he just goes on to write himself a little song and start to sing his heart is so full of joy he begins to re- can we be the kind of church the kind of house that rejoices? When God's doing good things in the lives of our young people, when God's doing good things in the life of this house, when God's doing good things, when, even when God's doing good things that are affecting the community outside of these four walls, let's never forget to be the Father heart that stops and has a little dance, that stops and has a little bit of a rejoice, that stops and just, yeah, let's get excited about that. That's worth getting excited about, I think, don't you think? I don't know about you, but I think half of the house is worth getting excited about. I think that's exciting that we're going to do some new stuff around here. and People are going to come in. Oh, that's new. That's exciting. We could be that kind of place where we rejoice over people. Yeah, the Bible says, rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. If we could be the kind of house that finds ourselves with the people that are mourning and picking them up, but then finds ourselves with the people who are rejoicing and celebrate with them. And can I say, all of this, as I said at the start, is how God is about you. When you have a win, God's going, yeah, that's my kid. Look how good he's doing. That was awesome. You're very quiet. Could I have the band back up here? I'm going to finish on time. Hallelujah. I'm going to finish with this statement. God responded to the human condition. Our need of Him. Our sin had driven a wedge between us and God. And God responded to that state of being. God recognised there was no way that we could get to Him. That He was the only one that could bridge the gap to us. God then released and resourced a solution for the problem in Jesus. I'm going to give Him my best. I'm going to give Him my boy. I'm going to bring it down with prophecy over 24 generations. I'm going to impregnate a virgin. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. How many of you know nobody else had anything to do with that process? That was literally God saying, this, I'm going to make this my problem. And I'm going to fix this. After he released and resourced his solution in Jesus, God took responsibility for us. And now he rejoices in the fact that we can have relationship with him, another R for free. That's the nature of the God that we serve. A God that would look down at a condition that was ours of the making and say, "That's my problem. I can fix that. That's the heart of a dad. We could look at the world and say, "Well, you're in a mess and it's your fault." Or we can have the heart of Jesus and turn around and say, you're in a mess and I'm going to make it my problem. I'm going to take responsibility for what I can take responsibility for. And I'm going to minister with love and grace and a father's heart that is sorely missing from a society that needs to know not every dad is Homer Simpson. That there are still some dads and some mums who have the heart of a dad. And some young people that are looking to father a generation and some young men and young women who haven't yet had kids of their own but are ready to rise up and father a generation anyway that are saying, we will move, we will work, we will operate with the heart of a father to a broken, dying generation that needs to know that Jesus loves them, too much to leave them in their sin, that He takes responsibility for the solution and the solution is Jesus. And the Bible says, and when one accepts him, heaven chucks a party. Why? Because Father God knows how to party. Father God knows how to rejoice. Father God knows the things that are important to rejoice over. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.